Hello and welcome to the Light from Light podcast with me, Daniel, and I'm joined by my good friend, me, <laughs> Brother Thomas <laughs> Therese. <laughs> How are you, Brother Thomas Therese? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. I'm sort of, yeah, I, obviously, I mean, it's the same old, same old, you know, time is sort of cracking on again. I mean, nothing's really different. <laughs> I, I had, uh, I mean, in the last, the last episode that was released, was my friend Jonathan who came to stay for a couple of days, which was really, really nice. It was great having him around. Yeah, I appreciate you recording an episode with him. Well, I know you're so things, I know you're things really got very busy. Well, you're busy as well, but you know, it was it was good to hear someone else, someone else's input as well. I thought he had he had some gems of insight. Yeah, he's a good egg. That he he's a good thing. It was great having him around. And what about you? Something's changed. Something's changed since we last recorded. I'm a year older. Yes, same age happy as you birthday. Now, same year. You're getting old. Okay. <laughs> I saw I saw the Phantom of the Opera as well. Oh, very nice. How did you find it? It was very good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Actually, oh, excellent. I didn't realize how much I enjoyed the theatre. I saw Les Mis a, f- a few weeks ago as well. That was incredible. I really recommend that. Oh my gosh, you're going, you're doing a tour of all of the all of the big shows. Yeah, I really recommend the. Them is actually seeing that the the biblical themes of that maybe we could have an episode on that actually yeah i mean there is a lot of uh the, the bishop who and i mean i suppose you've got the overarching theme of redemption that runs the whole yeah. way through the show but maybe that's yeah, for another no spoilers, podcast no spoilers yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we might do that for an episode actually because there's a lot there it also gives me a, a chance of course to to sing, oh, uh, no. <laughs> to sing on the on the podcast. No, 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 uh, we don't want that. Don't worry, it won't threaten you anymore. We'll, we'll leave that anyway, for the other episode and have a warning at the beginning. <laughs> it also fits in quite well with the subject of today's today's podcast, actually. Really, doesn't it? Hmm, does it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> What's our subject? But for I'll today? leave that for another time. <laughs> What's yeah. our subject? The laity. The laity. Just that short. The laity. Well, yeah. <laughs> me, the laity, me, I'm the laity. Well, I'm also the laity, of course. I'm not a cleric yet. Yeah, I haven't been ordained. How would how would we describe the laity? What, what are the laity or who are the laity? The laity are basically the non-ordained uh, within the church. That's basically it. So I'm uh, a layman, you're a layman, uh, Amelia is a laywoman, Um yeah, we are the people who are non-ordained in the in the church. We should probably say Amelia is a friend of of ours, just in case. We talk about her all the time in the podcast. We do, yeah. But I thought maybe if people were listening to this podcast episode without listening to others, uh, like, good point. Amelia? Good point. She she joins us for every episode. She never says anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, she'll find that really funny. Well, hopefully she'll she be will. on our podcast next week. Um, you're going to get a bit of does a break. Does she know this yet? She does. Yeah, she's agreed to do it. So. Hopefully. She's agreed. Okay. Um, yeah. Yes. So I forgot what I was saying now. Yeah. So basically, the non-ordained, uh, they would be considered lay people. So the lay faithful are those who have been baptized and are not ordained. So I, even though I'm a religious, I'm still a lay person. If I think about some of our Dominican sisters, they are lay people. Actually, all of our Dominican sisters, <laughs> they are lay people. Um, however, hopefully, God willing, if I'm if I'm ordained, then I will no longer be a lay person. I'll be a cleric. The laity basically make up the majority of the church. So, ninety nine percent of the church. Yeah, and and everyone. Well, actually, probably probably less than ninety nine percent. I would guess, but a, a, a huge number. Majority. You're quite right. A I think huge, the huge majority, majority, the vast, vast majority. Yeah. Also, it's 
Also, one of the things I think is very good to remember is every priest, every deacon, every bishop, even the Pope himself, all started their Christian pilgrimage to our heavenly homeland as a layperson. So everyone has shared in that. We all have, yeah, we've all had that common experience of what it's like being being a layperson in the in the church. So the laity is often described in in terms of what they are not. So the laity is not. Uh, someone who's ordained or or cleric but there's also a way of describing the laity's identity by well i suppose more than what they are not so they they have a positive identity yeah a positive so way a yeah. negative um way just means what what they are not i think that's the way to describe it as yeah the laity are not this so that's a negative definition of of who they are not in a bad sense but negative and as in what they're what they're yes. not but the laity uh, have a positive identity and mission in the church and i think that's what we want to spend this episode on absolutely um did you did you know where the word comes from laity uh that's a good question well there's the latin word <laughs> laici um mm, uh, yes. yeah is that no. that's not what you were thinking of <laughs> no i think of the greek word okay so it, it basically it basically means people mm-hmm. laity's identity is we say the people of God, um, and obviously the the Second Vatican Council, such a big council for the laity. You know, people often refer to this time in the church after Second Vatican Council as being the time of the laity, the period of the laity. But in the Second Vatican Council, the people of God is an expression that's used over yes. and over again. So, which is a biblical you know, expression, of course. Uh, I mean, mm. that's one of the things that sometimes I'll I'll say is actually all the time. All the time of the people uh, at the time of the laity, you know, mm. um, for reasons that we've that we've mentioned before. One of the things about the people of God is that it's not just the laity who are the people of God. It's all of us together. All of us together are the people of God. So the Second Vatican Council on Lumen Gentium, it, it, it's an image that goes right the way back to the Old Testament. Right. So God establishes Israel uh, as a people who. He calls to himself. And how does he call them to himself? He calls Israel to himself through holiness. Uh, And the document actually says that Israel, according to the flesh, which wandered as an exile in the desert, was already called the church of God. So likewise, the new Israel, which while living in this present age, goes in search of a future and abiding city, is called the church of Christ. Um, and that, I think, is actually a very interesting thing. So we're called to be a new people of God for those who believe in Christ, um, born of water in the spirit, as uh, the first letter of St. Peter says, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, uh, a people who have been purchased by the blood of Christ, who uh, are the, the people of God. Uh, so that's something that I think is actually quite important to recognize, that uh, Israel... Uh, was already called the, in a certain sense, the 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 Church of God. Um, so there's a broader history of the term that's being used there, and so it looks at various common denominators and it looks at the the biblical texts before in chapter three going on to talk about the hierarchy and in chapter four uh, going on to talk uh, about the laity. I just think that's an important thing to to um, to realize that broader broader understanding of the people of god one of the things that used to make me laugh is sometimes it used to be called you know the entire people of god are comprised of 
the priests and the people. And that used to make me howl because it almost implies that priests aren't people. And I was like, no, uh, actually, the, we're all the people of God. We're all the people of God. So we have missions in common. We have functions that are in common, but we also are very diverse and different. And we've been given different gifts and charisms for the service of others and for the mutual upbuilding of the people of God, right? So yeah, I mean, we're going to go into more of the sort of functional, the functional sort of aspect. But some of the things that we have in common, all the people of God are baptized. We're all, we're all baptized. One of the things, again, that we all have in common by virtue of our baptism as the lay faithful, that we're all ordained priest, prophet and king. And of course, the clergy were also baptized priest, prophet and king, right? So every Christian has that in common that we're all baptized priest, prophet, and king. This means that we can offer prayers, we can offer sacrifices. It means that we can make uh, various judgments. It means that we're heirs to the kingdom. Being prophets, it literally just means to speak before another, which means that we uh, might warn people if they are, if their soul is in, is in danger in some way, or if, um, yeah, or if we need to speak out, then we share in that, that office. And this is distinct from ministerial priesthood. So this is different from those uh, who are then ordained for a particular service in the church as ministerial priests uh, or ordained as deacons or, or ordained to the office of bishop, for example. And that's something also found in Vatican II, that there is this beautiful enrichment and this beautiful uh, diversity in the manners of of gifts that we see and we also see this importance of the lay faithful also coming through in Mystici Corporis Christi which is an encyclical by Pope Pius XII from 1943 and in that encyclical he also again talks about the importance of the various different vocations he does spend a, a big amount of time talking about the hierarchy but he also talks about the importance of the role of the mother and the father and the family and the vocation of the lay faithful and this is then taken up by the second vatican council and lumen gentium one of the church's what we call dogmatic constitutions this is taken up by one of those huge big important documents of the of the church and sort of ran with and then we have john paul ii releasing an encyclical or a papal letter called christi fidelis laici meaning christ's lay faithful and he again he spells out the calling and the mission of the laity in the church and also look, looks i mean the, the second vatican council uh looks at the relationship uh, and like mr g corpus christi they both look at the relationship between the juridical or sort of hierarchical elements of the church and the charismatic elements of the church and they make the point that they're not in conflict with each other they can't be in conflict with each other because they're both instituted by the same lord so it's because of the holy spirit there is this great unifying uh, feature and also that we're called to serve each other and minister to each other and help each other to grow in holiness the whole point of the priesthood really is to offer sacrifice, yes, to break open the word for others, yes. But fundamentally, on the most basic level, it's about helping others come to holiness. And that, so I would say really, we all have the same vocation, which is to be holy and to help other people to be holy, to be in right relationship with Jesus Christ, to walk uprightly with the Lord and to help others walk uprightly with the Lord as well. And the various gifts and the ways in which we do that 
are slightly different. So as a priest, it's ever so slightly different from if you're a layperson, but I mean, fundamentally, it's the same mission in the in the life of the church, isn't it? There's so much you said there that could be uh, could be touched on, and maybe I'll come back to a few points there. But one of the things I, I think is is really important to say is that lay people have a calling. So the laity are called to be members of the church. They're called to be holy, which is something we share with with uh, the the priest with with priesthood. But also more than that, they also are uh, called to be spreaders of the church which I think is a really good way of, of explaining it. And how they spread the church is obviously different to how a priest will, will go about his mission to, to spread the, the gospel, basically. Um, but let's just, let's just spend um, a small amount of time on what lay people are called to. So this is the call into holiness, which is shared uh, ac- across the, the whole of the church. All people are called to holiness. But what we mean by holiness, I think, is very interesting. I remember having a conversation with one of my older relatives, I won't say who, uh, but I was saying that, you know, you, you are called to, to be holy as, as well. And they said, well, no, they think holiness is actually just for those who are religious or those who are priests. It's only for the minority. No, no, no. Yeah, this is a trap. This is a trap that can easily... Uh, be, that we can easily fall into thinking even even innocently thinking that someone who is free to dedicate all their time to things which are in the church they're they're the only people that are called to be holy but actually the second vatican council makes it so clear and and in the document you said in lumen gentium that all people are called to be holy all people are called to that because they're called through their baptism so it's it's not just those who are who are able to dedicate a lot of their time to this. It's all people are called to belong to Jesus Christ. All people are called to belong to the people of God, who are the holy people of God. All people belong are called to belong to the church, which is itself the body of Christ, which is called to to be holiness. I mean, we could say all people are called to be saints, to to put it like that, which is. You know, it's just such a, an amazing thing. So everyone, every single person, whatever they're called to in their life, in the, the particular way that they live out their life, they're called to holiness. They're called to make that uh, particular way of life holy, which I think is it is sort of radical. We could see it before Vatican II, but it's a new spotlight is put on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you're quite right to say that it's, it's there before Vatican II. I mean, it's always been there. Um, because essentially to be holy means to be fit for heaven, right? I mean, what is it we want to do? We want to go to heaven. We want to be with God for all eternity. We're made for that sort of sanctity and, and greatness. We're all called to be saints. And that's always been there, you know. You, you are quite right. I mean, for a lot of people, they sort of think of it as, they think of holiness as something extraordinary that most people can't achieve, and so therefore it's, you know, for a select few, it's for priests and religious and, you know, they're the ones who are supposed to be the special holy ones and we're just supposed to be normal. That holiness is somehow extraordinary, so not ordinary. But actually, I, I think that's not true. And that's one of the things that comes up very strongly in Lumen Gentium and uh, is one of the least well-known 
parts, I think, of the Catholic faith is actually, no, we're all called to be holy and it's possible for everybody to be holy. It doesn't mean we're all going to be the same. I mean, there's this fantastic new book out that hopefully we'll review by Meg Hunter Kilmer, which is called Pray For Us. And in that, you see just how diverse the saints are, not just in terms of the geographical diversity that they have or that they come from, uh, you know, many nations, um, but also they all have very different jobs, they live very different lives, they all live in different times, they all have different personalities, some of them can be very serious and somber, others can be very loud and energetic and boisterous, some of them like to play, play uh, practical jokes, you know, these things like having fun and having a good time and laughing and joking and th these things, these are not, um, these do not conflict with holiness, you know, there's an English Dominican called Vincent McNabb. Actually, he was Irish, but he was the son of the English province. Uh, and he used to say one of the things that he loved so much about the Dominican order was that seriousness was never confused for holiness. That if if you were like super, super serious or really somber all the time, um, people would think that actually religious life wasn't for you. Right. So that, that can be quite countercultural for a lot of people because a lot of people sort of think, oh, yes, holiness means being serious all the time. It means that you don't make frivolous jokes. It means that you, you know, uh, eat very frugally and that, you know, you live what to the majority of the world seems like a very miserable life. But actually to for, for Herbert McCabe, who lived himself a very austere life, he sort of said, no, 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 no. Holiness is about joy. You know, it's not about a sort of superficial joy and becoming addicted to pleasures and things. That's not joy, really. It's self-medication. Um, it, it is about a joy which comes from the Lord and living in, in right relationship with him in charity and in truth and goodness. Good. I think it's a really important point, actually. It's being faithful, being um, sort of being religious in a sense. Is It is about taking the faith seriously, but... But you don't take yourselves too seriously. I mean, you can, you can have a laugh. You can, you can have that joy of Christ. It's like Padre Pio. I mean, one of the stories that's often told about Padre Pio is how he never missed community recreation. So recreation is quite a sort of cold word, I think, to talk about when the community gathers together to spend time together and enjoy each other's company. But yeah, he never missed community recreation, one of the brothers said, because he never missed an opportunity to tell someone a joke. Apparently, he was very funny. He had a very, very funny sense of humor. But at the same time, he's also known for taking his faith very seriously. If he thought that somebody was messing messing him around when it when it came to the faith or, you know, let's say someone comes to confession and they're not really uh, taking their, their faith life seriously, they're just sort of feigning contrition. They're not they're not really sorry for, for the things that they've done wrong. He'd say, you know, you know, go away and stop wasting my time and come back when, when you're sorry. Like there's, there's a story of a man who um, was cheating on his wife and he sort of, you know, went to, to confession to Padre Pio and the man said that Padre Pio said, you know, go and be reconciled to your wife and, you know, stop cheating on her and then come back to confession. And the man did. The man went away. He apologized to his wife, came clean. And uh, actually, I think the wife already knew about it. And he stopped, he, he stopped sinning and came back. So Padre Pia was a man who did take his faith seriously. And, you know, he made a very big demand on, on this man. Uh, it, it's not an easy thing that he was asked to do, but he was told, you know, show courage and come back. And, um, and he did. So Padre Pia was a man who took his faith seriously, but he was also a man 
who laughed and joked and um, had a beer. You know, that's one of the other things that was said of him in the summertime. He'd sit down and and he'd have a beer. And that's not that's not uh, that's not to say that he wasn't a holy man. He's a saint. That's <laughs> right. I thought you said beard. He had a beard. He did have a beard as well, didn't he? A beer. <laughs> he also had a beard. <laughs> Uh, there's something I was just I was just thinking of when um, when you were talking there is that the lay people's role is is also very active. You know how we say so all people are members of the same body. This is this is something which Paul says yes. over and over again. As Christians, we are called to be members of the body. Well, in the activity of the body, all members, all parts of that body take take uh, a part in that. You know, we're not we're not called to be passive. So in the activity of the whole of the body every part has its has its role and we too as as lay faithful are called not to be passive but to be active so we're called to take part in the overall mission of of the church and this comes across very clearly in in the second vatican council uh, by its teaching that lay people are sent are sent into the world and there's a particular document that comes from second vatican council it's not one of the well-known ones uh, let's see if see if you know it, Brother Thomas. The decree on the apostolate of the laity. Oh gosh, it's probably got a name that. It's a re- I put it in English because the, the the Latin is a little bit difficult for me to pronounce. Okay, <laughs> but it's it basically expands on on that chapter found in Lumen Gentium on the call to holiness, that universal calling of all people to holiness. But what's interesting is the word that's used, apostolate, because this comes from the same root as apostle. It, an apostle means one who is sent. Mm. So the emphasis there is that the lay people are sent out with the very identity, the very mission of one who is sent. And we say, well, where are they sent and who are they sent by? Well, they're sent by the church, Christ through his church, and they're sent into into the field of, of the world, mm. if you like. So later on, uh, you know, much, much later, John Paul II, he wrote a, a document which you referred to. Christi Fidelis Laici. Yeah, on the lay members of Christ's faithful people. And in that document, he refers to two biblical images. The, the first one, he says, is how, how lay people are called to holiness. And they're, they're called to remain with Christ. And they're, they're equipped to become holy and, and saints through the, through the sacraments, through the life of the church. And the image he uses is that when Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches, and John Paul II quoting him here, he says, the Lord himself said, whoever dwells in me and I in him bears much fruit. So the fruitfulness of the lay apostolate must flow from that union with Christ. So the spiritual life of, of the lay person is nourished by Christ and his church. And the other biblical image that he uses is the one of the laborers in the vineyard. And it, whether well, the parable of Jesus is that uh, people are looking for work and some of them are spent are standing around all day. So the vineyard owner says, "Go out and work in my vineyard." And then at the end, uh, John Paul II, as he's quoting that passage, he says, "There's no excuse to remain idle. Everyone, every single person of the church, every member of the church, is called to go out into the vineyard and to work. And that vineyard is is the world." So. We as lay lay people, as the lay faithful, are called by the church to be holy, and we become holy through the church, through the life of the church, and then we're sent out into the world to bring that holiness 
to the world, bringing the gospel values, bringing the life of Christ into the world where we are. Yeah, I mean, like we're all called to be the salt of the earth, the the light of the world, to be the 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 leaven, the leaven that makes the dough rise. You know, and how is it best that we that we do this? Well, we strive for holiness ourselves, right? You know, say your prayers, go to mass, walk upright lives of justice and gentleness, truth and charity. And be missionaries of the gospel. Take the word of the of the gospel to others into politics and into your into your workplace. You know, be. I mean, it's not necessarily that you always have to be talking about God or Jesus all the time. But through your character, through your life, people should know that you're a Christian through your manner of life, through your um, personal holiness. I think for a lot of us, we have someone who we can think of and we just sort of think yeah they were a really holy person and really represented god for me you know but to be missionaries of the gospel i think there's an implication of that meaning that we've got to know the gospel so another way that we can cultivate these things and strive for holiness ourselves, and thereby encourage other people to be holy is by reading the gospels and mirroring the gospel uh, in our lives being christ-like uh, in the world to others, you know, and we all cooperate in that, in that same mission, as I say, in different ways and different gifts. But fundamentally, it's always Christ's mission, isn't it? It's always about the salvation of souls. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, earlier on, you mentioned about how it's it's not just at Vatican II that the role of the laity comes up. It does come up before. And there's this wonderful quote from Pope Pius XII. I mean, it might even be from the document that you mentioned, but he says that the laity are on the front lines of the life of the church and lay people should not look upon themselves as just belonging to the church, but of them being the church and being the church to the world. So mo the majority of people in the world are going to come across the church through the lay members of the church, through people they work with, through people who they see in their daily lives you know through the laity basically so it's really important that uh, the the laity recognize their role to go out and to spread the the good news and we might ask well how how do we do this and i think you you said an important thing there by knowing the gospels knowing the life of christ spending time with him in order to bring that into everyday life uh, into the profession where people work, into their family life, to their friends, you know, people who we spend time with. And I think that's a very important point. At the Second Vatican Council, there was another very important document, you know, we've mentioned Lumen Gentium. There's another one called Gaudium et Spes. And in that, it's, it talks about the, the pitfall that maybe some people can fall into, which is the separation between faith and daily life. Yes. So the document makes clear that we as Christians in the world we're not called to live by being so heavenly minded that we think nothing of earthly goods or nothing of the earthly world. And then likewise, we're not called to be so fixated on bringing about the kingdom of God, you know, through being very, very active in, in this life that we forget about the life to come. So the point there is that we're called to be concerned with both. So our everyday life and our faith come together. It's not just that our faith is bolted onto our everyday life. They, they come together in a, a union together, if you like. Yeah, I, I think there's also, I mean, some of, some of what you said there strike, strikes me actually as, as incredibly practical. 
I think that that's actually a really a really good thing to remember that there are really practical ways. Of, I mean, we've spoken a lot in theological language and about church documents about the the Second Vatican Council. You know, some of you might be thinking, "What is the Second Vatican Council?" But you know, it's a it's a gathering of of, of the bishops of the church which reflect on a particular on a particular topic. We're thinking about, you know, the signs of the times and they gather together under the direction of the Holy Spirit. But I mean, we can have another another session on church councils, why they're important. And we've promised three, three other episodes. Today. Oh, I know. I know. Anyway, going back to my practical point in Christopher Delos Leici, this document by Pope John Paul II, he mentions concrete, specific things that Christ's lay faithful are to be engaged in. One of them is re-evangelization, right? So today, you know, I hear a lot of complaining about bishops and priests, and some of the criticism is justified, especially concerning the moral witness, you know. I think we have to be careful how we, we criticize sometimes because it can uh, alienate people from Christ's mystical body, the church. But that being said, you know, people do need to be uh, held to account, and some of the criticism is is justified, as they say, particularly when it comes to the moral witness of some of our some of our bishops and priests, though we shouldn't ignore that our own moral witness also has profound consequences. And in a similar way with, with evangelization and things like that, we shouldn't just think that it's for the priests and the bishops to evangelize and to uh, make disciples. Actually, we're all called to go out there and help people to live Christ-like lives. Um, also, we shouldn't ignore the heroism sometimes that we see in our in our bishops and our priests and and in our lay faithful but there are other areas as well right so speaking out against injustice and this is one of the things that i think the lay faithful are i mean the church as a whole i think is is very good at, uh, at doing it um but i think the lay faithful um in particular have a very special role that they can play in our life of politics in upholding human dignity in respecting the the right to life uh, as john paul ii points out fighting for this on the political stage providing good and solid foundations to society by providing good and solid families for children you know i mean here's an idea you know your family's not all just your family actually the fact you know how you raise your family actually impacts wider society your family for better or for worse deals with others and will affect other people and shape them and mold them and shape and change the society around them so very often when we think about families you know when i think about my own family i think about my family and how we all relate sort of to each other internally but actually there's also the question about how we form each other internally which then means how we relate to people externally out in the world then you know subsequently if 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 i'm <laughs> i'm probably making a very complex a very simple point very complicated without meaning to but my essentially the point that i'm trying to get at is that when we talk about you know my family or your family or something like that i think we should recognize more that there is an interrelatedness like how we form our children is the primary responsibility of the parents but it's going to affect wider society and it's going to affect how they treat other people in the future. So this is a, a great mission of the family and a great service to some extent, to to use the term service. It's a great service uh, to society 
at large. Also culture. Think think about artistry and things like that, you know, being in the theatre and stuff like that, you know, being a, a, a writer for shows on TV and things like that, being musicians and things. Of course, we have lots of, especially historically, we have tremendous examples of, you know, poets and painters and musicians and things like that. We started with uh, talking, at the start of the episode, we're talking about Phantom of the Opera. And now we're finishing it with the theatre. <laughs> Talking about art. Talking about yeah, art. So there yeah, so there we are. There's there's our episode for today. Thank you very much, Brother Thomas, for joining us. Oh, you're most welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back uh, next week with another episode. And I believe it will be with a good friend of ours, Amelia. And we'll be talking about... What's the subject, Brother Thomas? We're going to be looking at uh, lay vocation again. We're going to be looking at uh, lay vocation, but particularly the dignity of women. Pope John Paul II had a, what was the phrase that he used? The, the, the genius of, of woman. The genius of woman. And um, yeah, Amelia is going to be talking to us a bit about lay women in the, in the life of the church. Brilliant. Okay, so look out for that. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and look out for the next episode. Thanks for joining us. Bye bye. Thank you very much. God bless.